Namaste, Namaskaram. Welcome to today's episode of Khuni, the Crimes of India. As usual, or not as usual if you're new, I'm Sneha. I'm in Hyderabad and I have with me on WhatsApp video Aditi, who is in Lucknow. Hey Aditi. So, let's get straight to the point. On a scale of 1 to 10, how blessed do you feel to be a Bharatiya Nari in the 21st century in India right now? Ah, jumping straight into it, huh? (laughs) And to answer your question, uh, I feel I'm minus 10 by 10 blessed to be a Bharatiya Nari in India these days. I mean, why wouldn't I? Women are being harassed and raped and arrested or straight up being killed and left to die. I mean, I don't know. It's not a good time to be a woman in India. It has never been a good time to be a woman, but these times are especially dark. But I will say... I have a lot of privilege and we will talk about that and I am slightly better off than a lot of other women who are being targeted in this country. Exactly. So actually, if you think about it, no one is safe. Not these girls from Munao, not Nodeep and definitely not Disha. Right now, let's first address something recent in a series of gruesome murders that have been happening against Dalit women in India. Let's go to Unao, Uttar Pradesh, the site of the recent heinous crime against three Dalit women. On the evening of 17th of February at around 7pm, bodies of two minor girls aged 13 and 16 were found in their families' fields in Baburaha village in Asoha of Unao district. So their cousin, another older girl, was also with them and she was unconscious but still alive. So this girl was 17. The 17-year-old was in a serious condition, unconscious but mercifully alive and all three were found frothing at the mouth. The family first took the girls to a private doctor who referred them to the community health centre. From the CHC, the girls were taken to Unnao District Hospital, which then referred them to a private hospital in Kanpur, where they were admitted at around 11pm. The three girls lived within a 50-metre radius of each other. They went to the same school that was around 1.5 kilometres from their house and they were very close to each other, like all cousins normally. The cousins had gone to their field on Wednesday afternoon at around 3pm to collect cattle fodder. On their way to the fields, they bought a pocket of chips from a nearby shop owned by someone named Sabir. In an hour or so, when they did not return, the families were worried. Another hour later, they started searching for the girls. As each minute passed, the families got increasingly worried. The girls usually returned within an hour or two when they went to collect fodder for the cattle. The fields were roughly one kilometre from their homes in Asoha. The 17-year-old, who is currently undergoing treatment in Kanpur, had recently cleared her class 10th exams. She'd lost her father in 2020 and she lived with her four sisters and two brothers. The 16-year-old was a student of class 9. She had four brothers and two sisters. Three of her brothers worked as labourers in the nearby villages. The girls were good at studies and they used to go to school regularly. They stopped since the lockdown began. The bodies of the girls were sent for post-mortem to the district hospital in Unnao. A panel of three doctors conducted the post-mortem. The preliminary post-mortem report revealed that they had died due to poisoning. The investigators found poisonous substances in the autopsy. The report did not contain any details about what kind of poison was used, but said that it was a pungent-smelling substance uh, and it was found in the stomach of the two girls. But the police version is that the cause of death could not be ascertained 
and that the viscera has been preserved for chemical analysis. On Thursday, the UP police finally registered a case of murder based on the complaint of the family members of the girls. An FIR was lodged under sections 302 for murder and 201 for destruction of evidence. But again, as usual with cases from India and UP, there are a number of unanswered questions. The brother of the victim said that their hands and feet were tied while their mother said that a chuni was tied around their neck. The police are saying that they did not find any antemortem injuries and the preliminary postmortem confirmed the same. The preliminary postmortem also ruled out sexual assault or strangulation. It found no injuries to the bodies or any other organ. The incident however sparked social media outrage from all corners of the world. I mean we are still recovering from the total miscarriage of justice that the Hathras rape case was at this point you might remember how Jyoti Singh was flown to Singapore for treatment in this case the 17 year old wasn't even moved to Ames Delhi despite pressure from various parties now the opposition parties lashed out at the cm of up and remarked on how up government is ignoring the safety of women and dalits in the state finally on thursday The CM of UP Ajay Singh Bisht asked for a detailed report from the chief of UP police. The police had also on Wednesday detained the family members of the victims. Yeah, this is all going according to the same deranged script that the UP police used in Hathras. In fact, IG Lakshmi Singh said that they needed a relative to be present for the postmortem and that's why they've asked someone from the family to be there and she clarified that they have not detained anyone from the family the police later also said that they only asked the family to accompany them to the ps to explain the situation to them yeah and i only drink vodka for the taste there's nothing to do with being inebriated and forgetting my sorrows wow that was deep but let's continue i'm just saying lies we tell ourselves right exactly but on thursday locals in unnao opposed the burial of the two minor girls unless the police handed over the bodies to their families the local administration actually had by that morning brought in an earth mover to start digging the graves apparently as per tradition minors are not to be cremated and after the protest the local administration left the earth mover parked outside the village yeah they did that This was very important. The families are daily wage earners and they own less than 1 bigha of land. The village is largely dominated by Brahmins and Dalits form the smallest numbers by caste. So, getting the administration to back off was a big deal. These people really fought tooth and nail. The bodies of the girls were cremated on the morning of Friday the 19th. On Friday evening, there was a startling new development in the case. The police called a press conference and revealed that they had arrested two men in connection with the case. What emerged was a sordid story of a man who had acted out because his advances had been spurned. Vinay Kumar, a 28-year-old man from the same village where the girls were found, confessed to giving water mixed with pesticide to the eldest girl. He met her during lockdown and he fell for her. but she did not respond to his advances so he asked her for her phone number and she refused 
and hence he decided on the most logical route of all you mean he decided to lay off and respect her privacy no man what is this some kind of scandinavian utopia this is india he decided to kill her oh yeah checks out yeah so the police also arrested a minor boy uh, aged 15 in connection to the case Vinay made him get some snacks to the field and all of them ate the snack and then Vinay offered the 17 year old the poisoned water so after Vinay gave the girl the poisoned water and she drank from it the younger girl snatched the bottle from her and drank the same and all the three girls fell unconscious seeing this the men ran away the police are still investigating the 17 year old is still recovering in the kanpur hospital last we heard she is stable but still critical now the upcm directed that the families of the two minor girls be given 5 lakhs each as compensation and the 17 year old's family will get 2 lakhs and the medical expenses will be borne by the state also here aditi don't you find it funny you know how media looks at these things if both the parties of a love story or of not a love story are dalits or someone belonging to a weaker section of the society it becomes a one sided love affair but 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 even if one side is muslim then it's love jihad i guess this is just welcome to 2021 i don't know welcome to 2021 in uttar pradesh specifically i don't think this is a country wide problem <laughs> possible but yeah just pointing out the dichotomy so that's what we know about this case if there are any other updates uh, we will definitely let you know also there have been a lot of people asking us for updates on the madanapalli case um, there is a small update the parents have now been shifted to a hospital in vishakhapatnam and i think at this point uh, it's time for us to address the inevitable questions that some of our listeners will throw at us uh for example why do we only cover crimes against dalits and muslims and always show hindus in a bad light sneha you want to take this one yeah so guys look at our content list we cover all crimes okay we don't hindu bash unless they do something super uncalled for which is when we call hindus out we both as savarna hindus who are educated and can understand the injustices happening around the country are using this platform to try and sensitize people from our own communities how our silence and our inability to understand the intersection of caste and gender is also oppression it perpetuates countless atrocities most of which we don't even hear about because even our media is dominated by savarnas in reality crime in any part of the world cannot be covered in a silo it is nearly impossible to talk about crime without addressing the socio political and cultural environment surrounding it i mean if we do that we won't be doing our jobs correctly and faithfully and from the messages we keep getting on and off this bothers a lot of people to those people we can only say Once you are done raging at us or downgrading our ratings on Apple or sending us angry rants just please please take a moment to inspect your rage how much of yourself do you have to hide away from the world to exist safely unless you are a dalit or an adivasi or a bahujan or a woman or a minority your life is pretty great nobody is coming after you you are not being oppressed as a group when a dalit woman gets raped in this country it is not a simple true crime story of who raped her that woman has been failed systematically 
first by a savarna hindu society that deems her subhuman second by law enforcement which doesn't treat this as the emergency it is then by our netas who ascribe to an ideology that gives primacy to savarnas only all these failures are crimes and all of them need to be talked about it is not a simple case of a woman getting raped by a man and we cannot treat it as such so we will get political and if our politics offend you then we are not sorry there are much better podcasts out there which may be a better fit for your needs you can all make the shift we won't feel bad honestly we don't want to give you a voyeuristic view of true crime of the blood and the gore and the what not of it all we want to give you the 360 degree view of a crime including the politics of it so at this point uh, let's just address the elephant in the case mm-hmm. many of you asked for rinku sharma's case okay understandable but all of those messages that ask for rinku sharma's case start with this accusation that you only target hindus on your podcast what do you have to say for this case i mean first of all this is simply not true like sneha mentioned earlier we don't just target hindus on our podcast and another thing i would like to say is that yes rinku sharma's death was extremely tragic and our hearts go out to his family but brahmins of this country especially those who have openly aligned themselves with this sanghi government are not collectively at peril from everyone else these brahmins and every other caste including my own that supports them we are all oppressors we are oppressors of dalits of muslims of women this is the reality and there is no running away from it okay now i'm just excited to read next week's apple reviews aditi what about you yeah prepared for i don't i don't know i mean this should be a place where i'm able to speak my mind yeah exactly or we just looking forward to read them cuz we both masochists oh wow here's a reference to riri and one of her songs who was also attacked by the sanghis because of that one tweet about farmers protests and speaking of the farmers protests let's uh, slowly segue into our next case in this episode we are going to talk about Nadeep Kaur who was Nadeep and why was she arrested to answer this let's go back to january 2021 wow that seems like quite some time ago yeah god on 12th january 2021 the haryana police began firing at a workers rally in the kundli industrial area now kundli industrial area is on the delhi haryana border The police fired at workers who were demanding unpaid wages and the police claimed that this demand amounted to extortion. Uh just a sidebar demanding what is rightfully owed to you by the way of wages as was decided when you entered into a contract it is not extortion you don't need to be a lawyer to know that. Exactly. Now following the gunfire when the congregated workers dispersed in all directions a 24 year old woman Nadeep Kaur was caught by the police and was brutally beaten. She was beaten by male police officers who according to multiple witnesses at the scene targeted her genitals and then dragged her to the Kundli police station. She was then arrested and had two FIRs filed against her. FIR 25 of 21 and 26 of 2021 with a wide range of charges including inciting a riot, causing hurt to a public servant, assault and criminal force extortion trespass 
criminal intimidation and attempt to murder ridiculous yeah i know things got even worse from then on even after being taken into custody nadeep kaur was mercilessly beaten by the police she had sustained severe injuries on her body including to her genitals which basically amounted to sexual violence and torture in custody she was lodged in the karnal jail and was not given adequate medical care or support and she was barely able to speak to her sister one of the only persons she was allowed to meet she spent over 2 weeks in judicial custody on 25th january she was produced in court via video conference the court ordered a medical examination this was over 2 weeks after she was beaten in custody her family had requested for medical examination and they were denied despite several requests meanwhile another worker and mazdoor adhikar sanghatan mas activist shiv kumar was also arrested by the haryana police this was at the same time as the arrest of mandeep punia if you all remember he was a freelance journalist who had been extensively covering the kisan andolan for over 2 months he covered issues of worker farmer unity in the kundli area and most importantly he exposed the bjp police nexus during the attack against the farmers at the border on january 29th 2021 so nadeep comes from a family of fiercely politically active women nadeep is a worker in kundli and belongs to a family of landless dalit peasants in punjab her Older sister Rajveer has said that their caste and economic deprivation taught them how to fight for their rights since childhood. Nadeep is a native of Muksar district in Punjab where her mother also actively uh, participates in the Punjab Kheth Union. 8 years ago their mother a farm laborer led a fight to get justice for a Dalit girl who was gang raped by upper caste men in their village in Muksar district in Punjab. After the men were convicted she says the villagers hostility forced them to move to Telangana In Telangana Kaur's father got a job at a workshop It was only in 2019 that the women returned to Punjab while Kaur's father stayed back returning for only a few months during the lockdown The move to Telangana led to an interruption in Nadeep's education. She could not get to a government school due to the language barrier. So Nadeep completed her class 12 through an open school. In reality though, Nadeep just wanted to study. She finished her class 12th in 2018. She wanted to enroll in BA Punjabi in DU, but she started working to support her family. Her father and mother work as laborers and she has three sisters. After working at a telecalling company in Delhi for some time, Kaur joined a mask manufacturing unit in Kundli in Sonepat district of Haryana uh, in July last year. In October, after lockdown was lifted, she moved to FIEM Industries. It was around this time that Kaur began her association with the Mazdoor Adhikar Sangathan, which was a local labor rights organization. At the time of her arrest, Nadeep was working at an FIEM Industries Limited. So we just want to give you a brief background of the company this will be important later we promise the company provides lights and bulbs to the automotive industry the publicly available information on the company states that they employ between 5000 to 10000 people and while the factory is in kundli the business office is in kirti nagar in delhi they have an annual turnover of 1000 to 5000 crores 
the company has clients like Honda, TVS, Suzuki, Harley Davidson, Mahindra, among others, and they also have several foreign uh, companies as clients as well. Now, Nadeep Kaur was one among the thousands of women employed by this company. She joined the company immediately after lifting of the COVID lo- lockdown in that region. And the majority of the workforce in this company is women as the wages for women on contract in the Kundli area is literally half that of the men. Male workers receive between 9,500 to 10,000 per month while the women receive anywhere between 5,000 to 6,000 per month. And just to clarify, the minimum wage for unskilled work in Haryana is set at 9,458. So it is just shocking that despite qualifying as skilled worker for an automotive light manufacturing company with an obviously high annual turnover, the majority of the workforce is compelled to work at such low wages. The working conditions within the factory are abysmal with inadequate time for use of the bathroom or for lunch breaks. In fact, unsurprisingly, this place did not even have proper toilets and sanitation for women. But I guess this is the sad reality of women factory workers all over India. The workers are expected to remain standing for between 8 to 10 hours a day, literally the entire shift. In addition to the appalling wages and conditions of work, Nadeep and a majority of the workforce in FEIM and similar companies in Kundli have not received wages for several months. Yeah, this is why we mentioned their turnover. When the women in the company came together to demand wages, they were repeatedly threatened by male armed goons of the company. Besides the armed goons of the company, the quick response team, an armed force employed by the body of manufacturers and company owners under the banner called Kundli Industrial Association, threatened Nadeep for daring to demand wages, not just her own, but for all those whose wages were stopped. The threats targeted at Nadeep increased exponentially after the workers began to participate in the farmers' protests. Nadeep, as we already said, is a member of the Mazdoor Adhikar Sanghatan, an organization of workers in Kundli. During the lockdown, the MAS mobilized workers to demand basic provisions from the state. And after the lockdown was lifted, they started taking up the cases of unpaid workers and labor law violations. Now, Nadeep has been among the few taking up cases of exploitation of women workers in the area. The issues being taken up by the MAS brought the ire of the local Sanghi group, the Hindu Jagriti Manch. Its members violently attacked a meeting called by the MAS on May 24th, 2020, which was in order to address the lack of food provisions for migrant workers stuck in Kundli during the lockdown. So the workers of the Kundli industrial area, both men and women, mostly migrant workers from all over the country, had been living in pitiable conditions since the COVID-19 lockdown started. Without wages, without savings and facing the threat of losing a job that is perpetually on contract while also facing the brute force of private armed guards of the Kundli factory owners, uh, that is the QRT, the workers opposed the high-handedness of the management and contractors by coming together and organizing rallies and programs. Going from factory to factory, the workers have been demanding that management pay the wages of the workers. The MAS had managed to ensure uh, the release of salaries of over 300 workers, yet many thousands more remained without wages. 
their wages stopped by the management without notice or cause the workers have been coming together recognizing the strength in their unity and demanding wages for back breaking work in inhumane conditions MAS also recognized the ongoing corporate state nexus and the workers in Kundli mobilized to stand shoulder to shoulder with the farmers camping at the border of Delhi opposing the farm laws the workers decided to lock arms with the peasantry several rallies and programs were organized by the MAS in solidarity with the peasants the farmers who had congregated and saw the solidarity of the workers and responded in turn with solidarity for the workers cause marking important landmarks during the agitation the workers and the peasants organized joint programs in one such program demanding unpaid wages on december 28 2020 the qrt fired at the workers remember this is a private militia this isn't the police or anything mas activists and workers went to the police station to register a complaint and the police refused to file it they had just been shot at and the police did not care the workers then wrote to the superintendent of police in sonipat but they didn't receive a response either the qrt claimed that it fired in self defense against the unarmed workers Haryana police claimed no firing back took place. Oh my god. Instead, yeah, instead the police filed a case of extortion against the workers. The Hindu Jagriti Manch, the Kundli Industrial Association and Haryana police obviously felt the solidarity between the peasants and the workers and knew that it was a threat to their status quo. They tried several ways of breaking this unity including violent clampdown of their programs and rallies firing at the workers charging the workers demanding unpaid wages with extortion and even maligning the workers and peasants before the media Nadeep's arrest and the custodial sexual violence and torture she has faced comes in the wake of these people's inability to break this unity this arrest was intended to send a message to the workers of the consequences of daring to speak up and stand up. Nadeep's sister claimed that Nadeep was arrested on false charges and she was thrashed by the Haryana police on her private parts. So she said on this interview I saw on uh, YouTube, when I went to meet her at Karnal jail a day after she was arrested, she had told me that she was beaten up brutally by male police officers and had injury marks on her private parts we immediately asked for a medical test to be done the report of which had to be submitted to the court we still have no clue what happened to that report sp jashandeep singh randhawa has denied nodeep sister rajvi's allegations of sexual assault on her sister and called them baseless aditi any comment of course of course but despite being brutally beaten in custody nodeep remained resilient when the debate around the use of cctv cameras in jails and police station continues the consequences of impunity for the police at every stage remain visible for all of us to see from firing at workers to male police officers beating up a woman worker and targeting her genitals without consequence is just glaring and the role played by the nexus between the factory owners the management the contractors the armed goons that is the private army 
and the police in targeting a young dalit woman is also visible in the kinds of charges thrown at her as well as in the language used by the police to malign her in the media a total of 3 fir's uh, have been filed against nadeep and others according to a lawyer her bail application in fir number 25 which has section 307 of ipc and 26 which has section 384 of the ipc have been dismissed by the sessions court and the judicial magistrate first class respectively both the courts rejected the bail citing the third fir and concluding that she is a habitual offender Apparently neither the accused nor her lawyers knew about the third FIR they came to know about it only after the public prosecutor mentioned it in his arguments while opposing yeah. the bail violating all norms the FIR was kept secret so that it could be used in the future if her lawyers knew about it they could have argued that she cannot be called a habitual offender as all the three FIRs have been lodged within 15 days of This is just police vendetta. This is nothing else but police vendetta. After almost three weeks of her arrest, Nadeep's plight slowly but steadily began to gain international attention on social media. The tipping point came when Mina Harris, the American lawyer and author, tweeted that Nadeep was arrested, tortured, and sexually assaulted in police custody. On thirteenth February, Nadeep Kaur spent her twenty-fourth birthday in Karnal Jail. She asked for lowers, t-shirts and some other basic necessities for 20 women inmates. As of today, Nadeep has gotten bail in two out of three FIRs pending against her. However, she continues to remain in Karnal prison. The bail has been denied to her once in January in the third case, the secret one. And this third case, by the way, is for attempt to murder. Actually, recently the Punjab and Haryana High Court has also issued notices to the Haryana Police asking for explanations in this case. The Punjab and Haryana High Court took a sua moto cognizance in the matter and asked the government to reply by twenty fourth February. So now the next hearing is on twenty fourth February. The High Court order said that the complaints were emailed to it on sixth and eighth Feb, alleging illegal confinement of Nadeep. So basically, sua moto cognizance is when the court itself takes up a matter, like when they get uh, letters written to them or. or email to them in this case now nadeep arrest again makes a circle back to that one macabre disease that haunts indian police stations and what we've talked about again and again police brutality we've spoken about in this in the jairaj and the benix case the case of jairaj and his son benix is not an isolated incident In that case, based on the reports filed before the court by the local magistrate, the High Court actually later held that there was sufficient evidence to initiate murder charges on the police officers involved. The report included eyewitness testimony of a female constable from the same police station. Initially, the police officers in question refused to cooperate with the magistrate, but currently, uh, action is being taken against them. The state government transferred the case to federal investigators after the court noted that a free and fair investigation and inquiry would be difficult otherwise. Five policemen who were connected with the death of Jairaj and Benix have since been charged with murder and arrested. So other similar incidents over the past few years indicate a larger problem with the Indian police. India has a long history of police brutality stemming mainly from lack of accountability among police officers. 
In December 2019, as we all know, students of Jamia Millia Islamia came together to protest the controversial new Citizenship Amendment Act. The protest turned violent and over the course of the month, there were various instances where the police used excessive force on the protesters and bystanders as well. We've all seen surveillance footage that shows police entering the library of the university and attacking students. One footage shows police officers repeatedly assaulting an unarmed Muslim woman. A consortium of non-governmental organizations against custodial torture released a report that stated that a total of 1,731 persons died in custody in 2019 alone. These included 1,606 deaths in judicial custody and 125 deaths in police custody. The Indian police operate under the impunity granted by the provisions of CRPC or the Criminal Procedure Code and the principle of sovereign immunity. This impunity has gone to the extent where in some cases police are just allowed to kill people just like that. Yeah. Northeast they are under these special provisions. Yep. The Supreme Court of India has in various situations recognized the need for police accountability and reforms. As it has also issued guidelines for the police known as the DK Basu guidelines these guidelines are intended to promote accountability among police officers and to ensure that appropriate remedies are available to the affected parties by providing a procedural framework for the police to follow obviously as we all know these guidelines are rarely implemented by the police in fact the supreme court had also ordered the implementation of something called police complaint authorities these actually were supposed to be institutions that recorded complaints on police officers across ranks states and district however a recent report from the commonwealth human rights initiative indicates that these reforms have been resisted by the police themselves what is quite appalling is that even though there are supreme court judgments laying down guidelines there are sections of the police act and the ipc basically talking about protection against police brutality these are never implemented there is currently an urgent need for an anti torture law in india apart from that we also need to implement reforms in police administration most of all something that may not be possible in any scenario there needs to be less political interference in the police system So guys uh, we will update you uh, with what happens in these two cases we'll put out a small post on our socials uh, and update you on what happens on the 24th in Nadeep's case as well uh, we felt that as two sovereign women who have the responsibility to bring these two cases and discuss them with you all most of you all who listen to us are sovereign also we don't want to speak on behalf of any marginalized communities our purpose is to raise awareness within our own communities to sensitize our own people so that they understand what kind of actions can be considered yeah. oppressive because i feel like there isn't a lot of understanding on that subject uh if you all have any questions please write back to us uh and please please understand what is happening around us and understand the role that we as sovereign play in enabling the atrocities that are happening to minorities to dalits and adivasis and bahujans we owe this much to our country this was the story of how we are slowly becoming a country for no women or no dalit or adivasi or minority or bahujan women yeah 
I know this was a little different from what we normally do, but we felt this was something we had to do. But now's the time for something that we always do. Guys, wherever you listen to us, please, please click the subscribe button or the follow up button so that you know you are aware when whenever we upload a new episode if you listen to us on apple podcasts please write a review whether it's positive or negative we will share it on our socials so that's okay get writing and hope you have a nice week we'll see you next week bye bye bye